Today we're going to wrap up our series. We've been doing this little bit of a series called Invisible War Against, do you know it? Invisible War Against Your Soul. And we're going to wrap it up. Uh, just in case you're coming in for the first time or you're tuning in, uh, I want to give you a 60-second recap, okay, of where we've been the last couple of weeks. Week one, we said that we're in this invisible war. It's a spiritual warfare, and we have to be careful because some people take this subject to the extreme, and they have what I call demon obsession, where there is a, a demon behind every bush, there's a fallen angel, there's a fallen demon behind every situation, anything bad that happens, if they ever do anything that they're like, oh man, I messed up, you know, it's like, like Eve, the devil made me do it, right? And so we just have to be careful as we communicate God's word, but one of the things that we said is um, that it's, this invisible war is as real as the sound waves that come out of my lips, go into the mic, through our sound system, through our speakers, and into your ear. Can't really see all of that, but there's no denying it. And so week one, we are in a spiritual, invisible spiritual warfare. Week two, we said that you're a force for good. And because you're a force for good, if you're a Jesus follower, the enemy doesn't like that and he's trying to take you out and we looked at this word the word devil uh, and it actually in the Greek is the word diabolos which means to slander or to falsely accuse and it's the idea of a prosecuting attorney slandering the victim and so the Bible describes the devil in Revelation 12 verse 10 like this uh, look let's look it up it says for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, by the way, it's right there, it's describing the enemy. For the accuser, he's an accuser, right? Uh, of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one, there it is again, who accuses them before our God day and night. And so one of the things that we went over is that the enemy is not like he's just at work from eight to five. And that's it. No, it's a constant battle. And so sometimes uh, the battle happens in the middle of the night. You wake up and you're stressed out. You wake up and there's that anxiety or you're having, a, maybe, it, maybe it's a dream or maybe you're just having a hard time going to sleep and you're like wondering what's going on. Well, the enemy is at work 24-7. Uh, sometimes it's in the middle of the day. You're going out and about your day and um, I don't know, have you ever been hunted by your past? Like you, you're having a great day and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have thoughts of things that have happened in your past that you've already overcome, that God has gotten you through, and then you just go back. It's like, man, I cannot believe that. That was like eight years ago. I cannot believe that. That was like when I was a kid, when I was a student, when I was this. And it's the enemy at work bringing shame and guilt and fear into your life. And so what we learned is that God says there's a solution, and what you have to do is you got to put on some gear. And he gives us the example of a soldier, a Roman soldier. And we, we talked about some of the gear that they put on, not all of them, but we covered, we said that at least three they had to have on at all times. If you were a Roman soldier in that day and age, there were three pieces of gear that, that you had to have on at all times. It was the belt, it was the breastplate, or in, in our world today, like a, a bulletproof body armor, that's what it would look like, and it was your boots. 
And those three pieces of gear they had, that they had at all times, they represent truth, peace, and faith. The truth of God's word, the peace of Jesus Christ that only he can provide, and then the faith that we receive uh, from our heavenly father. And so God says, you've got to put on this gear. Do not go to battle naked. Do not go to battle without your gear. Okay, sometimes we do that. You know, we rush out the door and we don't spend time with God. We don't pray. And then we blame it on the preacher. Has that ever happened? You know, I know that I talk to people sometimes and they blame things on me when it's their spiritual walk with the Lord. And so the Bible says, Ephesians 6, 15, it says this. Let's put it on the screen. It says, we put on our gear so that we will be fully what? Prepare. You cannot do battle on your own. And God's provided all the tools that you need. Now, it's interesting. Nowhere in the whole passage does God say, put on your flip-flops. Right? Like, he's, like he's talking about some gear that, like, it's, it's warfare. Right? It's, a, it's stuff that you need to go. Can you imagine a soldier going to battle and fighting, uh, wearing flip-flops? Like, they wouldn't stand a chance, right? You know what modern-day soldiers do? Like when they're in the middle of combat, they sleep with their boots on. And so do you have your gear on? So that was week one, week two. Today is our last, our final, our final week in this series. And we're going to, we're going to go deep today, all right? We're going we're gonna to get into the, the weeds a little bit. I, my, my, I'm hoping I don't lose you. Uh, let me kind of give you a little bit of a heads up, okay? Uh, I'm going to cover a lot of ground today. It's a topical message, uh, but I, we're going to be going all over Scripture. Loads, probably I told Leah earlier, I was like, I don't think I've ever shared as much Scripture as I'm going to share with you today, okay? And so I hope that you are ready. We're going to talk about spiritual forces of good, that is God and his angels, we're going to talk about spiritual forces of evil, that's Satan and his demons. Because there's a lot of confusion out there. I mean, all you need to do is just turn on the TV. And man, all the time, you like you hear crazy personalities, you know, yelling and preaching. And, and they're, they're, they're sweating profusely. And they're talking about all kinds of things about these, this subject that at times doesn't even make sense. And so I, I really want us to, what I want for you today is to see what God's word actually says. All right, like, take me out of the picture. Let's just look at God's word, and let's find out, like, what does God's word actually say about demons and angels and all of this stuff? So in order to do that, we have to get, we have to go and, and look at a lot of scripture, okay? So just to give you a heads up, don't try to keep up because we're going to be, like, we're, it's going to be fast, okay? So what I encourage you to do, if you're taking notes, just write down the references, and you, you can go back and, and look at the message, okay? And then at the end, what I want to do at the end is I want to give you two takeaways, two points that are going to encourage you, and they're going to give you confidence. What you need is encouragement, and you need confidence in the Lord. All right, so number one, spiritual forces are good. That's God and his angels. All angels were created by God. All of them. All angels were created by God. Originally, okay, they were, by the way, let me say this. They were, when they were created, they were righteous. They were holy. But about a third 
of all of them. We're not talking about like one or two or even ten. Like I'm thinking hundreds, probably thousands of them. About a third, Revelation 12, 4, you can look it up later. About a third of all angels actually fell. They rebel against God. They um, basically lost their position as angels and became a part of a force for evil, and we call them demons. Okay, and we'll look at that in a minute. We'll look at all of that. Okay, but Colossians 1.16, let's put the verse up. Colossians 1.16 says it. It says, For in him, in Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether we can see it or we can't, Everything's been created, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. That's a key word, for him. Everything on planet Earth, okay? And actually, in the universe has been created through him and for him. And so when you study angels in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, all over the Bible, what you see is that angels interpret God's will, they protect, they provide guidance at times, they bring answers to prayers, they announce, remember Mary, the angel came to Mary and said, you are with child, all right? They warn, they bring judgment, the book of Revelation, we see that, okay? God uses angels all throughout the Bible to instruct, to encourage, to sustain, to deliver, to intercede on, uh, intercede on our behalf, uh, in fact, Jesus, when he was, after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy came and he tempted him. Remember what happened at the very end? The Bible says that angels came after he fasted, he, the enemy comes and tempts him, and then after all of that, the, 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 the enemy, the devil, left him, and then the Bible says that angels came and they ministered to Jesus. And so, in short, you could say this. Angels are just servants of Almighty God. Let me describe them for you, okay? Um, they're spirits. Hebrew 1, Hebrews 1, 14. Therefore, angels, let's put that on the screen. Therefore, angels are only servants. I just said that a second ago. Spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation, okay? So, they're spirits. They are sexless. They don't marry. You don't have like male and female. They don't have children. They're sexless. Uh, there will, so there are angels that have male names. You have Michael. You have Gabriel. But that does not mean, do not get confused. That doesn't mean that there's female and there's male angels. No, no, no. They're sexless. Uh, Luke chapter 20, Luke 20 verse 34. It's a great reference. The Bible says this. Jesus replied, marriage is for people here on earth. Uh, verse 35. But in the age to come, so in eternity, right, those, who, those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. So what, God, what Jesus is saying is, like, once we pass on in eternity, there's no such thing as marriage, okay? And then he continues. He says they'll never die again. So that's what we're talking about, eternity. They will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. They're children of God and children of the resurrection. In other words, they're sexless. They don't marry. They don't have children. Uh, here's another one, another reference. Write this one down. We're gonna, not going to look at it for sake of time. Numbers 22, 22. Numbers 22, 22. Actually, all the way to, to verse 35. They're both visible and they, they have both visible and invisible forms. So if you want to find a little bit more, 
about this point, Numbers chapter 22, beginning in verse 22 all the way to verse 35, okay? It's a little bit too long of a passage to cover uh, this morning. I'm trying to get through, we're getting through a lot today. Uh, They have emotions. Do you know that? Angels have emotions. One of my favorite stories is in the Gospel of Luke, I think it's chapter 15, um, there's some tax collectors who are listening to Jesus. Tax collectors in that day and age, they, were, they, were, they had, um, most of them were corrupt. They stole money from you. Uh, they did not have a good name. And so they're, they're listening to Jesus, of all people, right? They're listening to Jesus. In fact, the Bible says tax collectors and notorious, and I'm quoting, notorious sinners. So all kinds of people, all kinds of shady people, corrupt and all of that, they're listening to Jesus. By the way, this is a fascinating thought. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. You ever thought of that? People who were nothing like Jesus came and they listened to him. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And so they're, they're listening to him and Jesus preaching, doing his thing. And then the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they're they're um they're judging okay and they're asking questions they're gossiping they're watching from afar and they're saying man why does he have to associate himself with sinners and why does he even and it says i'm quoting why does he even eat with them i mean i cannot believe that you know we're so much holier and all of this and then jesus tells them a story the story of the of the lost sheep remember the story he says, man, there's a shepherd with a hundred sheep, one left, and it just kind of got lost. And he says, a good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Because the one matters, right? And I want you to know that. This is a heartbeat of life point. You matter. We're not just going after a crowd. Man, last weekend, fantastic. Packed. Both services were packed. You know, but we go after individuals. And if you ever have a prayer request, if you're ever struggling, if you're ever dealing, I want you to know that you matter to me. Like some people sometimes say, man, I think we're going to start looking for a different church. And I ask them, you know, have you prayed about it? And, I, and I'm usually pretty vulnerable. It's like, I don't want you guys to go anywhere, you know, because I love you. And it hurts me. Like you matter, the individual. It's not, we're not just going after a crowd. And so Jesus tells his parable, and at the end of the story, he quotes this verse, Luke 15, 10, right? So everybody's listening, and I think he's saying this mainly for the Pharisees and the religious leaders, but he, he says this, in the same way, watch this, watch, don't miss it, there is what? Say it, help me preach. There is what? There is joy. There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. That's why I told the youth last week when they raised their hand, I said, man, there is a party going on in heaven. Seven of you just step over the line of faith. There is so much joy in heaven. And so they have emotions. They have appetites. Genesis chapter 20, uh, 18, verse 8. Genesis 18, 8. They have appetites. They're intelligent, 2 Samuel 14, 20. 2 Samuel 14, 20. They're powerful, Psalm 103, verse 20. His angels excel in strength and power. They carry out God's plan, listening for each of his commands. His angels excel in strength and power. They're powerful, Psalm 103, verse 20. That's that reference. Uh, Revelation 4, 8. They don't need rest. They're immortal, 
They're holy. Their highest activity is to worship God. It says, Revelation 4, 8, the second portion of verse 8, it says, day after day, watch, watch this, day after day, night after night, they keep on saying what? Holy, holy, holy. Day after day. I don't know about you, but if, man, if I spent a couple hours just saying that, I'd be exhausted. Day after day, night after night, they don't get tired. They're immortal. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is still to come. Their highest activity is to worship. And so no doubt, the angels are pretty special um, they're special messengers I guess you could say spe special servants of God but here's the thing here's the thing I want you to get this okay we should not worship them there's a lot of religions that will worship angels okay and it is based on the authority of God's word I can tell you today none of us should ever worship angels there's a story in revelation um, that where john he's you know if you know a little bit about the bible you know the book of revelation is kind of the the book of end times and so john god gives john a vision of the future of heaven uh, of when jesus is going to come back and it's really hard to interpret but there's a couple of verses i'm going to share with you we'll put them on the screen here in a minute uh john by the way is blown away he's never seen a vision like this it's never like this is a dream of like what heaven is look like and how jesus is going to come back and he is just blown away okay and I want you to just listen to these words. Revelation 22, verse 8, okay? Watch this. I, John, I'm the one who heard and saw all of these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. So what's that saying? Like John is, is watching, like he's getting this dream, this vision of what's going on, and he just, he just gets on his knees and face, and he's going to worship the angel because he had never seen anything like this. Now watch what the Bible says, verse 29, uh, 9, excuse me, Revelation 22, verse 9. But he said, the angel said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you, and your brothers are prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in the book. So we're all servants, right? And then it says, worship only God. So if you ever deal with somebody that's, that's worshiping angels or it's into all of that, you can, man, based on the authority of God's word, you can tell them, look, we should not worship angels, okay? So in conclusion, Angels, they interpret God's will, they protect, they provide um, guidance, they bring answers to prayer, they announce, they warn, they encourage, they bring judgment, they're spirits, they're sexless, they have emotions, they're powerful, um, they don't need any rest, they're immortal, they're holy, their highest activity is to worship, but we should not, they're special, but we should not what? Should not worship. Man, you guys are, does that make sense? Give me a thumbs up. Everybody good? If not, we can start over. All right. All right, thumbs up. I see you. I see you. I know you're in the living room hanging out, but I see you. And I'm just joking. Uh, I can't see you, but thumbs up would be good. Um, so a little bit of a dry material, but hopefully it's clicking with you. Okay. So now let's talk about e spiritual forces of evil, Satan and his demons. Okay. What does the Bible say? Not what does Alex say. What I have to say, you know, really 
doesn't matter that much but what does the bible actually say okay so spiritual forces of evil satan and his demons okay so satan was originally created by god as well okay but he was when he was created he was perfect he was perfect uh his name was lucifer which means angel of light so he was holy he was beautiful uh he was also given free will to choose he could choose good or evil and so the Bible says, Ezekiel is a great reference. Ezekiel 28, verse 15. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Ezekiel 28, verse 15 says this. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Until iniquity, iniquity is another word for what? Sin. You were perfect until sin was found in you. So what's the deal? What happened with Satan? How, like, you know, he was not satisfied. He was perfect. He was an angel of light, the Bible says. He was holy. He was supposed to be a servant of Almighty God. But he did not like, he was not satisfied with being a reflection of God. He wanted more. He wanted to be the creator. Let me give you another reference. Isaiah 14 it's a great reference if you want to study this. You can go deep with this one. Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 12. Oh, how you are fallen from heaven. Oh, shining star, son of the morning. Okay, the old references to, the, to, to Satan, to the devil. You have been thrown down to the earth. You who destroy the nations of the world. You say, why is there so much evil in this world? Well, here it is, okay? It all started with Satan, okay? Watch this. Okay, here's the, the, the beginning of, of his fall, basically. For you said, verse 13, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above, above God's stars. I included that there. Um, the stars actually is the angels, okay? So he says, I will, there's five I wills, okay? So he says five times in this passage, he will say, I will do this. I will do this, okay? So there is a, there is a spirit of, of like, boldness and a little bit of a lot of pride actually so he says i will ascend to heaven set my throne above god's stars i will preside on the mountain far away in the north verse 14 i will climb to the highest heaven and i'll be like the most high yet verse 15 you will be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit so five wrong attitudes, real quick. He says, I will ascend to heaven. He wants equal recognition with God. He's got an issue with authority. Uh, he says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God or the angels. In other words, I want to rule over God's creation. That's what he's saying. I will preside on the mountain. In other words, I will rule over the earth. Okay? So I want to be in charge is what he's saying. I will climb to the highest heaven. I will be like the most high God. So what's going on? If, if you could summarize this whole thing in one word, what word would you use? Begins with the word P. Pride. That's why pride is so, if there's pride in your heart, man, get rid of it. Okay? Because there is, there is pride goes deep in our hearts. Both men and women. Pride is something that you, you have to keep at bay, at bay. You have to make sure that you have it. You, you check your heart at all times. The Bible says pride comes before the fall 
Watch this. Pride comes before the fall. So there was pride in his heart before he fell. And there's pride in your heart before you fall. And I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm just saying there's pride in my life. And sometimes I stumble and I fall, you know, and that's when I kind of wake up and I was like, oh, man. But really, the root cause is pride. That's what got me in trouble in the first place. So Satan was not satisfied with being a reflection of God. He wanted to control. He wanted to rule. He wanted to be the, um, the creator. What's the result of his sin? few things. He's banished from, he- uh, from heaven. Yes, he's banished from heaven. Ezekiel 28 17 Ezekiel 28 17 it's on the screen your heart was filled with pride there it is okay so if you need the Bible reference uh, it's not something I'm coming up with right Uh, your heart was filled with pride because of all of your beauty your wisdom was corrupted by your love of, of splendor your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor so I threw you to the ground and exposed you all right, and you can keep going with the verse. Um, his character was corrupted. His power was perverted. He's destined to the lake of fire. Because of his sin, it's like the dominoes effect, right? Like because of his sin, all of these things happen. He's banished from heaven. His character is corrupted. His power is perverted. He's destined one day to the lake of fire. We'll, we'll talk about that. Well, actually, let's, let's put it up. Isaiah 14, verse 15. Yet you will be brought down to hell. And then sin enters the universe. So like a domino effect. One of, each one of these things happens. One after the next. Boom, 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 boom. And he doesn't fall alone. He falls along with a third of all the angels. We're talking, I think, this is my opinion, all right, thousands Okay, the Bible talks about multitudes of angels, you know. That's why I'm thinking, based on uh, Revelation 12, 4, if it's a third, I, be, I believe it's more than just one or two. And so this is, this is a real war. Um, so God has two options. So basically, Satan falls. The, the angels that rebel fall within demons, Right? They're thrown down. They come down to planet Earth. Adam and Eve listen to the, they fall into the temptation, right? They, they listen to Satan's lies, okay? And so God has two options. He can, option one, get rid of Satan completely and make humanity love him. Because it was multi, like it's like an onion, right? It's not just one thing that happened. The enemy fell, the angels fell, but we fell as well. Adam and Eve, they, they fell, right? They did not trust God's word. And so in that moment, God had two options. He could say, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to get rid of the angels. I'm going to obliterate them. And I'm going to make everybody on planet Earth love me. No, no choice. Or he could do option two. He could give us a second choice a second another chance right and send Jesus Christ to fight on our behalf and so which choice did he make he gave us a second chance and he said you know what I'm sending my son and my son is going to fight on your behalf now we're going to wrap up here in a, in a few minutes I have about seven minutes left um, I'm going to ask our worship team if you could go ahead and get in place 
as we wrap up, two things that I, two takeaways, okay, that I think they're going to encourage you. Um, one thing that's important for you to know is this, you can jot this down, Jesus, the Bible describes him as the captain of our salvation. I love that. It's a title that we don't often use for Jesus. He's the captain of our salvation. In Hebrews 2.10, it talks about this, how the captain of our salvation is perfect through suffering. What does this mean? The captain of our salvation, what does this mean? Well, what that means is that he's fighting with us. I want you to get a hold of this for a moment, okay? He's fighting with us us the battles that you're facing the battles that you're that you're struggling with you're not doing them on on your own and he has the scars to prove it no matter where you are on the battlefield you may be in the jungles of vietnam spiritually you you may be in the desert of iraq or in the south civil war and you feel lonely you're angry, you're isolated, you, you feel like you're tired, you're broken, you've been traumatized, diseased, injured. I want you to know that our God is not just a cosmic force out there that's kind of left the world at, at its own, like, you know, its own, to deal with its own mess. Like, that's not at all, he's more like a general, that's why the Bible calls him the commander of our faith. He's fighting with us. When Jesus says, when Jesus says go, at the end of Matthew, before he, he left, right? Uh, it, it doesn't, he doesn't just say go and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and then stop, period. Like most of us just read that verse, right? Like when Jesus says go, make disciples, baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but then he keeps going, and in verse 20, he says this, and be sure of this, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus doesn't say go. He says, let's go. That's what he says. We're in this together. What, whatever, fa whatever battles you're in, like we're in this together. And the proof is that he has the scars to tell us. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why it is when Jesus came back from the dead in his resurrected body, have you ever wondered why the disciples did not recognize him at first? Why is that? They've all been, I mean, they had been hanging out with him for, for years, Right? They didn't recognize on the way on the road to uh, Emmaus. Like they didn't recognize him. It wasn't until he said their name and actually broke bread with them. They're like, oh, and like Thomas is like, hey, touch my wounds, right? Like usually that's that's what that's like when think about it. For, uh, let me say this: when we think of his scars after he comes back from the night, we always think just hands and feet, right? Could it be? Could it be? that the reason why they did not recognize him is because he was brutally punished and there were more than just a couple of scars on his body. Could it be that he brought his scars? Could it be that our scars are part of the resurrection? And could it be that when they saw him, it was all over? It wasn't just his feet and ankle. I believe he bled from seven different places. He was scorched with whips, side was pierced he was nailed to a cross of course we know that 
nail spikes in his head. His face was, I mean, it wasn't just a little slap. It was pull his beard. Isaiah says that he was not recognizable. The beating that he got. I'm, I'm guessing his face was swollen with cuts. And I wonder if maybe the reason they didn't recognize him is because he brought his scars back just like the hands and feet. Have you ever wondered why it is, Lord, why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to go through? Let me give you, this is an all, if, if this is for nobody else, it's for me. Like God gave me this verse and it's like, okay, I hear you, Jesus. Revelation 5, 6, watch this. It's talking of the future, right? Then I saw a lamb. Who's that? It's Jesus. I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. That's not a pretty picture. Lord, why do I have all these scars? God doesn't make all new things. Listen to it. God doesn't make all new things. He makes all things new. He doesn't just scrap the old and then say, okay, I'm going to start over again. No, he takes the scars and he uses the scars. He takes the scars and he turns our wounds into wisdom. He turns our, our mess into our message. And what if your scars are part of the resurrection glory? The scars that you have experienced, that the enemy has inflicted on you, are part of the narrative of our resurrection story as well. The thing about scars is they don't hurt, right? Like when I was a, just a toddler, I remember I fell off the bed. I was jumping on the bed. I fell you know, from the bed. I don't remember a lot of things from, I don't have a good memory. I don't remember a lot of things from when I was a kid, but I remember this incident. I fell, hit my, my head on the closet or the wall, you know, and it's right here. And I can feel it. You, you, you probably can't see it, but I can still feel it. It doesn't hurt anymore, but it's there. I have not forgotten about it. Maybe your scars remind you of the healing that God's brought to your life. That you've been through it. And maybe they're a little bit raw, and they still haven't taken the stitches out. And so it's still a little bit. But I want you to know he's fighting with you. He's got the scars to prove it. They didn't recognize him. I'll close with this. Not only is he fighting with you, and I hope this gives you confidence. I'm here to give you a little bit of confidence in your spiritual walk. Not only does he fight with you, Here's a beautiful promise in God's word. When God wins, guess what happens? We win. When he wins, we win. Remember the story of David and Goliath? I love all, I, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Goliath comes to the nation of Israel and he's saying all kinds of things, defiling the nation of God's people. He's cursing us, you know, for 40 days, twice a day. And David hears about it. He says, I'm going to get rid of you. I'm going to, this is what he says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. And I'm going to 
and I'm, I'm, I'll keep it PG, all right? <laughs> he fights him. You know the story, right? Hits him, cuts his head off, raises it, and the Israelites go, yes, we win, we win. I'm thinking, no, you didn't win. David was the one that fought. <laughs> no, they won. Because David wins, they win. God wins, we win. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation 2010, the devil who deceived them, boy, that's tr so true in our culture today, was cast into the lake of fire, this future event, and brings them where the beast and the false prophet, there are some things to come that are not so pretty, okay? But this is the end, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. In the end, yes, you will have some scars. You will, you will lose some battles. I'm not here to tell you that every battle you fight is you're going to win. I wish I could. You know, a lot of preachers tell you, right? Wealth and, and health. It's not like that. Not biblically. I couldn't tell you that with a good conscience. But what I'm here to tell you is that at the end of the day, we win the war. Last verse. We're done. Sorry, I'm over. Romans 8.17. Let's put it up. Now, if we are children, so if you call yourself a Jesus follower, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, okay? We're heirs, okay? We're taking in, like we're, indeed, we share in his sufferings, okay? That we may also share in his glory. God, thank you so much that you've given us a free will. You, you gave us choice, Lord, between good and evil. We, you, we're not machines. We're not, we're not here like robots just doing whatever you commanded us to do. No, God, we get a choice today. We get to worship you. Help us to recognize, Lord, that our battles are spiritual. God, the enemy is not our ex. It's not our boss. It's not the organization. It's not the parents, God. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder that Jesus is the captain of our faith, the captain of our salvation, fighting with us and in us and for us. May we never take that for granted, the sacrifice. And may we remember that when it's all said and done, we are victorious. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.